You are listening to the Hybrid Hospitality Podcast. If you're interested in the trends that are transforming hospitality and want to explore what the future of the industry might look like, then you're in the right place. This podcast is brought to you by Stay the Night, a creative marketing agency working with hospitality businesses around the world who are changing the way people stay, work and play. Hi, I'm Rosie Willen, co-founder of Stay the Night, and in this episode, I'll be speaking with Mark Fenelon, CEO of Clink Hostels. Clink manages a network of privately owned backpacker hostels located in some of Europe's best-loved cities. They currently operate two hostels in London and three in Amsterdam, including the recently acquired Ecomama and Cocomama boutique concept hostels. The group also has two new hostels under construction in Dublin and Lisbon. Clink are passionate about social change. In November last year, they launched a campaign called Shut Up and Listen, which pledged 1,000 free beds to travellers who are volunteering to impact key social causes. In today's episode, we find out more about the motivation behind the campaign, learn how Clink facilitate connection between guests at their sites, and discover what Mark thinks the typical hostel will look like five years from now. And welcome to the Hybrid Hospitality Podcast. It's great to have you here today. Hi, hi and thank you so much for, for, for having me, Think uh, Delighted, uh, delighted for the time. So yeah, looking forward to our chat. Yeah, me too. And so first of all, I've just seen that Clink Nods won a couple of awards mm. over on LinkedIn. So I wanted to say well done for that. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's in a pandemic, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, delighted. And it, look, I think a huge amount goes to the team because, it, look, I think everyone in hospitality and hostels had such a hard time. And I think we try to look at what we can control, look at the positives, uh, probably sometimes to distract us from the day-to-day challenges. So, yeah, d- delighted with the awards. Super delighted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I just want to ask, so how have things been at Clink and how have you kind of adapted your model to the pandemic? Yeah, so everyone's had it hard. Um, and I think it was probably everyone has kind of it's, it's different, different cycles of life, I guess. Um, it was the shock and then getting over the shock and then obviously the planning to take a view on how, how long or short COVID would be. And then there was you know, instant changes. Our guests weren't traveling anymore. We had to put in a health and safety, new regime. We, we had to obviously keep Plinky uh, team spirits up. And we had to cut costs like everyone else. We had to have some very hard discussions with suppliers and some of the team as well, which is really, really hard. One of the hardest things we've ever had to do. But but I think equally was trying to plan a little bit for the future. So while trying to give ourselves a bit of hope and to kind of nearly get back into the routine. So I think that was important. And it was also to pick certain things. I know we'll touch on our Shut Up and Listen campaign, but it was to say, look, even through all this crap and hardship, there there are still things we can do. We still should look to make an impact. And I think probably over and above, like new systems, we had new online check-in systems. So first hostel in Europe to go with Goki. So that, that's completely keyless all the way from w- whenever you check in online to your, your dorm room. So, so that was a big thing our ops director, Lean, did, drove. Um, there were things like that, but also things like looking at clean, what's the purpose to clink it's kind of self-questioning in a good way what can we do what do we stand for and then how we looked after our clinkies and what can we do and as i said we did have to make some hard decisions so 
yeah, it was kind of different life stages. But yeah. it's trying to keep that positive focus. It was hard at times, but I, I think it was <laughs> we will all get out of it. So it was trying to keep, look to the future. Yeah, I definitely hear that. Even with Stay the Night, it was like there was a period of reeling <laughs> and being like, what do we do now? Yeah. And then you kind of pick yourself up and go, okay, there's good mm. things that can come out of this. And mm. so in ordinary times, I suppose, mm. one of Clink's values is around being different in what you mm. create. And yeah. so what are the key elements that differentiate Clink from other hostel <clears throat> brands? I think maybe I'll start with kind of what generally differentiate hostels from, say, hotels. Yeah. I think it's, it's all about the experience for most hostels, I think. And that, that's why I'm so confident about the future of hostels. And I guess uh, a lot of people probably working in hostels are probably asking themselves that question because there's such a huge gap not to be a kind of wear a rectangular box of, a, a, you know, hotels do it very well, but I think there's a huge market for 18 to 30s to have different experiences. Yeah. What Clink does differently, probably I wouldn't say maybe that different to a lot of hostels because I think so many hostels do such a brilliant job, but it's probably about connections and that's what we're about. So it's kind of bringing, I, I suppose our vision is bringing people and places together we try to build our hostels in really interesting buildings. So in London, if you go to a bigger London hostel, that's an old police station or magistrate's yeah. court. And you have kind of the clash where jails there, the clash ban for some of the older travellers will, will know. And in Amsterdam, it was an old Shell headquarters laboratory. So it's kind of building that story so that it, I guess we try to wrap everything as much as we can around the guests you know, from our buildings, our locations are really important, have to be central, maybe not such a huge advantage from COVID, but to be central, close to transport hubs, to how we design the interiors, they're all different. All our buildings are very different, you know, from accommodating different guests. So some guests may be your traditional backpackers, they, they want a guest kitchen because it, it means they, they, they can travel for longer, living off uh, less euros each day, to uh, events, to solo travellers, what we do for them and it's trying to connect people because really I think that's why really most people choose hostels they want something different they want to experience and want to meet new people I guess all of what we do in our brand and our people it's just to enable people to connect either through great locations really nice designed hostels but that have the right type of facilities for for the different guests I think also it's reaching into our community so a better difference is supporting our local community so be it um, at the, we, we do annual Amsterdam uh, canal cleanups. The Shut Up and Listen campaign is very much taking that community focus and actually going a lot deeper. A lot of guests want to volunteer and that's where that kind of came out of. Yeah. Uh, they want to give back. So there's kind of lots, but I guess it's, you know, how we support artists through Clink Creative. It's a program we have to support musical artists, performing artists, uh, bloggers, etc. And it's, it's kind of getting a local feel into the hostels versus anything artificial or creative yeah absolutely and I think that's going to be key because I think over the next year there's a lot of brands that pay lip service to community Mm. and I think consumers are savvy and so they're going to start to Mm. see it see who is actually backing up what they say and so that leads us on nicely you mentioned the shut up and listen campaign and so that pledges 1,000 beds to people volunteering for social causes Mm. can you tell me a little bit more about that it's, it's something we're, we're very excited about. And I suppose it came, probably the start of it, being very honest, it came around March time when all the horrendous acts were happening in the US and Black Lives Matter. And that kind of horror and um, 
kind of incredulity that something people were capable of that. And that got us thinking because, in fairness, some of our clinky staff said, look, we're just clink stand on this. Look, we love working here. But that got us thinking. And probably out of that came the, the Shut Up and Listen campaign where we asked ourselves, like, what should a company do? Should a company look to give back to community? How can we help? And as someone said to me, you know, is it, Mark, it's just right, right thing to be thinking about during a crisis. You know, there's, there's no one traveling. We're all losing loads of money. Mm. And I said, well, look, sometimes there isn't ever a good time. And yeah, <laughs> this type of crisis definitely isn't. But let's let's get on with it. Let's do something. We also surveyed, went to, out to a few thousands uh, of our guests. So we surveyed them to ask them what they think. Uh, 700 people replied across 36 countries. Basically, the, the kind of big big thing come out is they don't feel listened to. 18 to 30s feel, look, society operates at a higher level to them by people similar my grey hair, I guess. But they're just not in tune with 40% of the population. So that's the population size, 40%. And so it's, it's leading to frustrations, leading to a lack of, I, I suppose, people feeling a bit helpless of being able to change the situation, change where climate change is going, because they're the people who are going to have to live through this bloody thing. Um, so 83% of respondents said they felt companies were not doing enough, full stop, in general, not just the crisis. 72% of respondents actually said they would go with brands that are much more socially responsible, environmentally responsible. So I think there's big consequences for how companies have operated before. So I guess us listening and also volunteering is a huge thing. I know Booking.com did a survey, I think 49% of people traveling once are quite so conscious of where they travel and what they do. And I think in the UK survey, there was 30% of people, 18 to 30s, would love to volunteer. So we wrapped all, all that up and came up with the shut up, which is listen to 40% of the population, <laughs> shut up and listen and stand up of, okay, it's easy to donate. I'm not saying that's not a great noble thing, but it's easy to do. It's easy to have nice words in a website, but what about a bit of follow through? What, what, what's, what next happens? So, Instead of talking and not doing, it's kind of, look, let's take baby steps. It, this, this isn't saying we're going to change the world or all companies have to be completely bipolar as the way they worked before. But I think there has to be that more responsible or community-driven support. I suppose, what are Clint doing about it? Are we just talking about it? No, we, we're offering a 1,000 free beds. So that's a 1,000 free beds for roughly 8,000 volunteer hours. And so anyone who volunteers for a good cause will get a bed. Simple as that. And it's something that's just our first drive. There'll be other initiatives. And we're looking for partners who can work with us. And again, it's not about being in hospitality. It's actually by giving back to community, giving back to younger people. The 15 to 30s are ultimately, we'll find out, the people who've been the hardest hit by this crisis. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's great. And I think as someone who's knocking on the... (laughs) top edge of that age bracket now I think it's definitely the pandemic has made people more aware as well about where they're spending their money so it's Mm. it's like if you want these businesses to stay open you've got to invest in them and it's made Mm. people realize that huge businesses can close and it could be one of your favorite places Mm. and I think it's kind of that consciousness is definitely going to go forward into 2021 and people will look at it like well are the companies I invest in investing in me or investing Mm. in the in the things I care about so I think that's really great. And you mentioned the survey you did there. Mm. So how do you keep in touch with changing guests' needs? Because it's changing so rapidly, and especially yeah. COVID sped that up a lot. Yeah, yeah. 
completely agree with you. I think COVID really has. It's, it's like um, it's nearly like a reset, or it's a bit like what you know online sales have exploded through everywhere. Uh, where okay, of course, there's always Amazon and, and kind of Avocado and other, but it's that similar shift. Just probably kind of fast forwarded, maybe what well, would take three, five, seven years, I think into nine months. So I think people's tolerance has dropped. I, I think certainly for me, and I think for also a lot of people, we all know what's kind of real and what is meaningful in life and what isn't, because we've had to live without a lot of stuff and kind of go, Jesus, that was junk. We didn't need it. But also, yeah, it's kind of created this, I think, hard focus is probably a good phrase on what people expect. For guests, I think, yeah, that that's really sped up. We keep in touch with guests, obviously, always talking with them our, our clinky staff do a fabulous job understanding their needs it's i think being able to react quickly and i think it's also sometimes it's not always uh, dare i say the, the, the guest isn't sometimes doesn't know 100 what they want so there's also a little bit of thinking a little bit wildly and a little bit crazy and saying well what could the next thing be it's also i i, I suppose i think having that flexibility which i think covid has brought to every business but it's applying that with ideas and it's been willing to experiment and willing to try new things, even if they're a bit nuts or crazy. And I think it's given your staff a bit of power too as well. Of course, there's there's other stuff you look at, shall we call it harder research of, we, we would say, look, um, doesn't matter if we have the best events in our hostel, if, if our place isn't central, if it's not clean, if it's not secure, forget it. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you, you can't jump to the top of the mountain with we, we do all the sexy stuff if if the house is dirty yeah so so you have to get the basics right I, I think it's also understanding the different guest segments so we so we've done quite a bit of work looking at the different guest segments so we've solo traveled on one hand who you know and I, I i kind of travel solo as well and you want to meet people because you, you get bored of looking at yourself or talking to yourself <laughs> and chances are you're not going to go to a hotel or airbnb uh, you could have, we, we call them city explorers. People want the more culture, want to kind of find new experiences. So it's trying to have, understand what your guest needs are and on a, and kind of on a daily basis trying trying to meet them. It applies to community, volunteering, being responsible. So there's, there's no point having a big kind of coal factory uh, in your hostel powering your heat. It's a cheap bed, but uh, there's loads of pollution. But so it's, it's something we overall, I guess, we try to keep in tune, but we try to keep it simple. We don't try to overcomplicate. Yeah, I think a lot of businesses forget to lead on their staff in that way. I think hostels, especially in my experience of backpacking and staying in hostels, the staff are really at the core of it in a way that's different to a hotel, I'd say. They're really front and centre. And I think sometimes yeah. we've worked with businesses where they're like, well, how do we know what our guests need? And it's like, well, have you spoke to your receptionist? Have you spoke to your your team because they're really actually a great source of knowledge on that and so we mentioned earlier the clink creative arts program can you tell me a bit more about that and why it's important yeah i suppose this this kind of um this has been successfully up and running for several years and there was kind of um there's two parts to it the first part was support the arts so it was a kind of slightly more narrow view of our broader shut up and listen of supporting the community on a wider basis so it was to look at musicians artists bloggers and say for up-and-coming musicians who want to gig around Europe it's very expensive you know accommodation is a big charge so it was basically you perform and we put you up for free now obviously if we get a performance what I guess hopefully get is a local performance something quite different that they're not going to see every day it was a 
you know, a way, I guess, to bring the city into the hostel, but in, but in a kind of, um, I don't like the word authentic, but in, in a natural way. And it was also to help people. So we've up and coming artists. We had uh, a night sky that was done in uh, Clink Nord or Amsterdam hostel, um, uh, Boggy Fabian, which, which is brilliant and it's real Instagram moment. Uh, and then with Zorro, an Aussie artist, we, we kind of put him up in the hostel for a good few weeks in, in London and Australia. I, I think it's that, yeah, natural support, but it's also, we want to give experiences that you don't just kind of walk into. Or And uh, I, I think so overall for, I guess, experience point of view, it's, it's important that people see different things and also they're kind of connected with up and coming artists as well. Yeah, for sure. And so just to move on to the wider hospitality sector, and you mentioned earlier about kind of, we've we've seen a lot of blurring of lines between hotels and hostels in recent years. And so if we were to fast forward five years down the line, what do you think a typical hostel would look like? What do you think it would incorporate? Quite a big question. No, no, that's a good question. Once we get out of COVID, I'll be happy. Um, the, <laughs> I think we see a lot more hostels because our properties that look like hostels more. Because again, 40% of the population is aged between 15 and 30. They want a certain, you could call it brand of property. They wouldn't stay in. They want something that stands for something. So I think you'll see a lot of, and this is what hostels have been doing for 100 years. You know, they've generally been helping out communities. They're generally very really strongly guest focused as, as you mentioned they're kind of flexible the the you know they're about helping create the experience so i think what you see is probably more hotels or traditional hospitality come into that space and probably start copying and applying and of course in, in some cases making it better so you, you already see hotels having bunk beds family rooms so a double room and a, and a bunk bed uh, I think flexibility is really important. I think the crisis has taught us that. So being able to turn very quickly from short-stay guests to mid-stay guests, which is something that's worked very well for us, uh, particularly in Amsterdam. My view on short-stay guests, so our guests would stay on average three nights normally. Uh, a mid-stay guest can, you know, anything up to two, three months or longer. They all want community. You know, it's the same thing. It's just the stay is longer. So I think... Hotels will take on, I think, I suspect a lot of the good things work for hostels. I think hostels have a huge lead in it, but I think you'll see hostels, I think, change. I think it'd be harder to operate a older hostel building that doesn't have air conditioning or doesn't have, it's hard to keep clean. I, I think those days will probably pass because I think the other change, going back to your last question, was in guest standards are shooting up. And that's probably the other big change we've seen where there's just with, I suppose, call it hostelworldbooking.com, you can see it's kind of a kid and sweet story. You can see everything there and the ratings and I think the awareness of what people can get. So I think hostels will need to evolve, continue to evolve and change. I think what we, we all do, we do really, really well. But I think modern facilities, safe, clean, uh, secure, are just things that I don't think guests will tolerate much more. I think brand will become quite important the, the busier the space gets uh, with other hospitality companies coming in where kind of being a backpacker boozy bar place, I don't think will work as well. Of course, there's always a market for it, but I think it's being quite clear about, again, what companies stand for and what you actually offer. These are things all hostels do. They're quite nimble. They can move and change very quickly. They, they listen to their guests, but I think it's, yeah, the speed, the 
I think that will need to increase also with the overall standard of hostels. I don't think guests will um, probably accept same five years time at SSA buildings without or rooms without on suites or air conditioning. Yeah. And I, I agree that hostels are ahead when it comes to community, mm-hmm. definitely. And that genuine community will be interesting to see whether these big players coming into the space can can replicate that in an mm-hmm. authentic way. I know we don't like that word. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> in the shorter term, what do you think are going to be the biggest opportunities for hostels coming out of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's it's, it's like there's this kind of really tight spring. <laughs> but you know everyone's been sitting on for nine months and then when the when we step off it it'll spring forward i really think there'll be a huge spring because she's a, a stuff from my parents who who are, are going nuts tied up at home and not willing to travel and they're kind of 80s so if you bring that age level down I, people can't wait to travel they really really can't and i think you you know people might say look this travel thing in the past regenerative travel is definitely a topic which which will get bigger and bigger but I think for, and again, for surveys we've done and chatting to our guests, of course, travel is a way of life. It's, it's not it's not a, a switch in or switch on, switch off. I think it's a way of life. So I think particularly um, that 15 to 30s travel will just surge through once, once it's safe to do so, of course. And I think hostels will be in a really good place. And I suppose another thing, I guess people will be very conscious of how much money they spend. And that's normal when you come out of a recession. And say, for example, in Lisbon, where we have a property, or in Dublin, where I live, most uh, rooms in Dublin, I think 83% of rooms are three-star upwards. So hence, there's a big price point. Now, of course, everyone's prices is coming down, but I think where hostels always have tradition and always continue to offer really good value, and I think that will work well. I suppose it's that safety and we know shared accommodations being <laughs> a big pain for us. Um, but but again, with vaccine, et cetera, I think, and younger people are kind of, again, from surveys, less worried about it. So so I, I think it's very positive. It's still going to be tough. Uh, you know, we're not going to be back to full occupancy, I think probably to, towards the end of 2022, but it will definitely be a lot better. I think our rates will still be under a lot of pressure next year, but it will, it will seem uh, will seem like a godsend next year compared to this year. Yeah, it has been tricky with the shared rooms thing for people, definitely. Mm, but yeah. I do think you're right. Younger people are way more resilient, especially mm. I think of me, myself backpacking at like 19, 20, and even some of the things I did then, I'm like, I wouldn't do that now, like getting on motorbikes and places. And, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I, yeah. I, 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 I was, I was reminding myself when, when I, was, I was younger, I was traveling around South America and Chile, and I got hauled off a, a bus full of chickens, and I was the only uh, non Chilean by military uh, force. Oh, wow. Past, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of gone. Yeah, you just brush it off, don't you? Like, yeah, yeah. and a similar thing happens, and mm-hmm. you just brush it off. And then I look back now and I'm like, would I do that? Would I take make some of those decisions again? But it works out. I think that's it works what's out, yeah. back, back I mean, into and that. It, and if it doesn't, you don't hear about those stories. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice, kind of sinister way to look at it. And so finally, um, what's in store for Clink then mm-hmm. in 2021? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's a good question. Something we've all thought about a lot in sure, uh, like for, for our own hostels. Like we, we try to keep that positive view of it will pass. It's horrendous, but it will pass. And so obviously about survival for all hostels and hospitality. But I think the, the future is very bright for hostels. Going back to what, what I mentioned previously, we're looking to keep on growing. So it's uh, we're, we're continuing. 
at the moment to build out our Dublin hostel, which which would be, you know, over 600 beds uh, in a super, super location, bang in the middle near Temple Bar, but not not right beside or five minutes away, so you don't hear all the noise. But the so that's we're going to refurbish our London hostel that's starting next week. So, so we're taking a longer view in this. It's not been reckless in that, and we've had a lot of hard discussions. What's the right thing? But we're looking to grow, and we're also, I think, importantly, and probably I think for all of us is that kind of nimbleness that we've all had to. That's all been forced on us. We're we're looking to kind of keep that and continue to operate on that basis. So we're. We're much more flexible. We understand guest needs. We can react quicker. So I think because the host opportunity is, is still immense. It was immense before COVID. Just our lives have been put on pause for a year and a half to two. But so future's bright and it's just, it's, we're, we're, we're ch- charging ahead, but with caution. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in 2021 and visiting your Dublin site. I've only been to yeah, no, no, myself. So. Yeah. And it was no, a conference. Very welcome. But- yeah, I went to Dublin, but you know the Hostel World Conference. Oh yes, yes. But I yes, felt like yes. I didn't really get to see the the uh, famous nightlife and all of that. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's probably not a good time to go now, but certainly no. post COVID, uh, it would be uh, yeah. Oh, we, we we'd love to have you over. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for taking the time, Matt. No, absolute pleasure. And thanks, thanks very much for having us on. And I have to say, I think certainly all all the blogs and the. LinkedIn and everything you do, I think it's brilliant. Oh, thank so, you so much. We, we really appreciate that. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Thank you. For those listening who want to find out more about Clink Hostels, you can visit their website at www.clinkhostels.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Hybrid Hospitality Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe if you'd like to be the first to hear about new episodes. We'd love it if you could leave a rating. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so. Just search Stay the Night on LinkedIn or head to at Stay the Night Co over on Instagram. For more information about what we do, visit www.staythenight.net. Until next time, thanks for listening.